Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Corey. If you are one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome! Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now before we get started and getting into everything today, I wanted to give everybody a quick update on the Sykes album. If you're someone who cares about that sort of thing. It is closer to being done than it was last time I told you about it. And that's really all I could say. I think I'll have a song online by the end of the month. Don't quote me on that, but there's a good possibility that you'll get to hear something very, very soon. So just hang in there. But if you want to hear some of the stuff, we have a couple shows coming up and we'll be playing a lot of these new songs for the first time at these shows. The next one being March 27th at Brillo Box in Pittsburgh, PA with the River Daughters. Divorce and Kid Durango. It's actually a benefit for the Animal Rescue League. So come out to that March 27th at Brillo Box. We're going to be talking a little bit about this show during the conversation as well because this week my guest is Donald Byron. And for those of you who do not know Donald, he was a very big part of the local music community here in Pittsburgh and surrounding area and he ran player productions which was basically just him you know it was really even a uh, production company there was a couple people that helped him out and that he worked with but it was uh something that behind the scenes was a lot smaller than it seemed because he was doing a lot of shows a lot of big shows and a lot of Bands and musicians who are still playing today really got their start playing shows through player productions. So he's a really cool dude, really genuine, and I had a lot of fun talking to him. This was actually one of the first times that I really ever sat down and talked to the guy, which you would think I would have worked with him being someone that's been playing shows since around 2007 as well, but... I never played one player production show and we're actually going to get into that as well. And he explains himself a bit, which I, I get it. I understand. And I, I don't, there was never any hard feelings about it. It was just different worlds, I guess, even though I never quite fit in anywhere to begin with, but whatever. So yeah, this conversation is going to be heavily focused on player productions but we're also going to touch on what he's been up to in the past four or five years since Player has stopped. And we'll also talk about what he did before Player Productions and what got him into the local music scene and promoting shows and etc. So yeah, I think that's uh, enough of a, an intro there. So let's get on with it. Sit back. Relax. And let's start the motherfucking beat! 
Well, I just want to start off by saying this is a really cool room. Oh, there's thanks. a lot of there's a lot of cool toys and things in it. Yeah. Obviously, you can't see it on the podcast. But <laughs> you don't know what to expect. Well, it's going to be like a studio or something. No, and, no. And it was like a really cool room. So there no, you go. It's just just a room with a microphone. I feel like the room gets talked about a lot in episodes, <laughs> and only people that have been here can actually like, appreciate. Can like yeah, they are able to talk about it. But I think like a lot of people that know me probably assume there's like some Ninja Turtle stuff in the room, and probably like one or two Mortal Kombat things. Yeah, there might be a few albums too. There's a couple albums Maybe. in here. There's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm assuming that like you have some sort of a passion or interest in like nerdy and weird, stupid things that people our age shouldn't like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's stuck with you. It does. I mean, it's like pop culture. We grew up with it. And it's yeah. Kind of 90s kids, right? Like, how can we escape I, this shit? Yeah. And I'm actually a little older than most of the people that were in the scene. Okay. So, you know, so I can... Well, what's, what's a little older? How old are you? I'm uh, 97 years old, actually. Okay. 97. Awesome. I was born in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not even right. <laughs> Oh, it's definitely right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Ninja Turtles. I was kind of like on the on the like on the beginning of that. Then when it got like super big, like uh, but I had a little brother who's uh, ten years younger than me. Okay. So I could appreciate things like that. Cool. You know, like I had you know Michelangelo, like the original guys, and then when it got into like the later crazy stuff. I never gave a shit about the later stuff. I just like. We were just talking before about Magic the Gathering and how, like, there's all these rule sets and it doesn't feel like Magic the Gathering. Ninja Turtles got to a point for me where it didn't feel like Ninja Turtles anymore. Exactly. Sometimes there's just enough's enough. Like, I don't need all these fucking spin-offs. I don't need more <laughs> Power Rangers. Like, I understand what you're leave saying. it where it's at and then just get rid of it. Just, I'd rather rerun the same episodes I've seen over and over again than have you, like, beat it into the ground. Yeah, Shredder, Krang, Rocksteady, Bebop. Yeah. You're, you're you know, you're I mean, I'm guys. even fine with, like, Baxter, Leatherhead. Rat King. Yeah. Leather, oh, God. <laughs> Leatherhead, oh. <laughs> but then, who knows where it went after that. I, I don't know. Uh, there's so many stupid fucking things. I have um, up to season seven on DVD, and I don't think I've opened season six or season seven. They're, like, unbearable to watch. Ah, uh, really? Just, well, they were manufacturing so many episodes so fast that there was just no, like, you can't do anything of quality that fast. Yeah. I don't care what it is. It's impossible. I actually bought, I, I'm not sure. I think I have the first six seasons. Okay. And I haven't made it quite that far yet. Did you? So now you're telling me it's going to get really bad. Did you end. get like the fucked up thing where like, cause they really butchered releasing the DVDs of Ninja Turtles. Like the first two seasons are spread across like four or five yeah. DVDs and the first DVD has like all of the first season and then three episodes from the last season yeah. listed as bonus episodes. They, all right. And I know like this, people are probably like, what, <laughs> what are you even talking about? <laughs> this, this is what reminds me of Bill and Ted, like Bill and Ted. Did you know that that is, that there was the cartoon, Bill and Ted's cartoon that, I, that those guys came from? And, like, that, there's a set, like, the Wait, whole... there was a cartoon before the movies? No, it was after the movies. Oh, okay, yeah. It was, like, on CBS. And I don't think they actually did the voices. Maybe Alex Winters did the voice. <laughs> what else is Alex think... Winters doing? <laughs> I don't think Keanu Reeves did it. 
But I found that at like a Walmart dump in for like five dollars or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Did you watch it? Not yet. Uh, I'm really good at buying things and like not ever watching. Them. <laughs> Is that, like we were just talking about not having free time. Like, I feel like I just don't have the time to. It gets harder as you get like older and try to like maintain some sort of a stability for yourself. Especially when it comes to like seasons of something. Like I just. <laughs> Um, I had a friend that recommended The Walking Dead. She actually got me the first season for Christmas. Okay. Because I'd never watched it. Everybody talks about it. You know, if you're on Facebook, it's like, oh, it's Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. So I actually, like, I watched the first season and then I bought the second one, third, fourth. So that that was time consuming. <laughs> you know what I mean? You went through it though. I did. I made it through. And I've only. I don't have cable, so I okay. don't. Yeah, I don't either. I've I watched the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead and I really liked it in the beginning, and then for whatever reason I just kind of lost interest in it. Got you. How do you feel about it? You still you still like it? I still like it, yeah. I mean, at first it kind of reminded me of Lost, if you ever watched Yeah, I love Lost. Lost. Another show, I never watched it on TV, and then, like, was it The Exchange? And, you know, the season <laughs> one was, like, $5 or something. I'm like, that looks good, I guess. I'll check yeah, that out. Yeah, I remember I didn't watch Lost for a really long time. One night, I'm up late, can't sleep, it's on TV. This is exactly how it happened And I me. see an episode, and I'm like, oh my god, this looks fucking intense. <laughs> And then I realized that, like, the last season is about to air. So I, like, binge watch, like, seasons <laughs> one through five. Is it seven seasons, I think, last I th was? I think there was six. Six, okay. Well, then I binge watch seasons one through five in, like, a month's period <laughs> before that last season airs. It was just... At least you caught it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, it was, like, maybe three years ago. I just woke up in the middle of the night on the couch, like, on a Saturday <laughs> night or something. Like, yeah. At, like, 2 a.m. And, uh... It must have been on, like, I don't know, WGN. Something that I got on my, like, basic cable. Uh-huh. And I, I was like, what is this? And I was watching it, and, you know, I don't have the info button to click to find out what it was. <laughs> so I, it was, like, the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, and some of that stuff's really intense. And then at the end, I was like, oh, this is lost. So, like I'm saying, you know, one day at the exchange, yeah, I'll pick this up. And yeah. then I binge watched, like, six seasons. It's so good. You mentioned before that you were into Star Wars and stuff before we started recording. I am, yeah. Okay, so I'm guessing a lot of this stuff kind of stems from your childhood and this yes. nerd bullshit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so it was like, what was your thing growing up since you're supposedly 97 years old? <laughs> well, I... Three uh, Stooges? The Little Rascals? Oh, I have every season of Three Stooges. <laughs> um, yeah, Star Wars was a big one. I, I want to say, like, and I, I can't really remember, but I wanted to say the first movie I ever saw the drive-in was, like, The Empire Strikes Back. Like, oh, wow. When I was, like, four or something. You know what okay. I mean? Three, like, really small. And I had, like, the Chewbacca toy that I supposedly slept with and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> you know. But then, like, He-Man hit, and that was a big one. Yeah. And, uh, like, the Super Friends with uh, Superman and everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hall of Justice. And Transformers was another huge one. Yeah, that's, see, that's all stuff that I, like, just missed, I feel like. And it's all coming back now, so... I don't, yeah. Because I, I think it's, like, people my age are having kids, you know, and they're, like, they're just playing up to that. These corporations are, like, oh, we can sell to these, like, mid-30, early 30-year-old people and, you know, buy off of their nostalgia. Like, My Little Pony is back. You know, I, I see all this crazy stuff. Um, Strawberry Shortcake. So they're just, like, using us, like, our nostalgia <laughs> to get to, like, our children. Not mine, I don't... Well, plus, I mean, you figure their original ideas, for whatever reason, never seem to work. Yeah. 
So it always seems to help if you have like a solid foundation to work off of. Yeah. I feel like that's how... That's how everything works. Everything works. If, uh, like, does Hollywood make an original movie anymore? It's like a remake? Or, or a just... sequel? Or a comic book? or Yeah. Think about it. I don't, I don't really ever go to the movies, you know, very I just often. saw, I saw Chappie yesterday. I don't even know what that is, I'm sorry. It's cool. AJ from, Save Us from the Archon? Like, yeah. Like, months ago. Um, formerly Mejon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, like, listed a top ten. They movie. were on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he listed a, a top ten, like, movies that he liked. Oh, yeah, he's and, getting into all that, like crazy like fucking film noir and yeah and super like, nerd cinema stuff yeah of these like criterion movies and now he's got me hooked like my criterion movie collection is like 20, sure 24 now or something uh-huh because uh you know they're all like important films yeah but uh and they all have a reason to, that they make them and of course they make them look a lot better a lot of them are like throwback movies like yeah. like brazil if you've ever seen that movie i have brazil yeah the criteria i have the criterion there you brazil. go that's uh it's a crazy movie. But yeah. movies like that, too, about, like, the future and... You know, that was, like, 1985 was made in. Yeah. And about trying to be this, like, perfect society. And that movie is so relevant now with, like, the NSA and... Sure. Uh, like, Obamacare and... You know what, yeah. what I mean? Like, all that stuff. <laughs> the, the Patriot Act. You can see how it all tied in where this guy had this vision of this is where we're headed. And Are you... Have you gotten into any of the other Terry Gilliam stuff? I have not. Yeah. No. I know, I know of, of Time Bandits, but I haven't. Yeah, actually. there's um, Time Bandits... Brazil and the Adventures of Bear Munchausen, which I have a, I have a poster right there for you. It. But that's like the the whole like dream trilogy that he put together. Um, the movies aren't really connected in any way with each other, but he like quotes it as being a trilogy in some sort of like a. Th they're all really good movies, so in that way they're similar. <laughs> and they're they're all gonna be kind of weird because I've, I've yeah. seen the trailer for Time Bandits that just looks Time weird. Bandits awesome. Baron Munchausen's awesome. Brazil's awesome. He's made lots of good movies. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> and I'm the kind of nerd, too, that I'll, like, watch the audio commentaries. Sure. So that's what like, eats up a lot of my time, too. Like, I watched Brazil, and then, like, a couple weeks later, I'd watch the commentary. How can you not watch the commentary for I Brazil? I don't know. It's, it's, so imp <laughs> it's so important when you see a movie like that to, like, watch the commentary to appreciate it. Have you ever been interested in, like filmmaking or wanting to like do anything like that or do you just like to like absorb it in a just like sit back and watch it uh, i don't know i'm curious about your like your creative output <laughs> or lack of creative output or if you're just like a I'm, like a fan yeah i've thought about it like like years ago before i started doing player productions i like was really looking into different cameras and like shooting things and that's what i was gonna do I was gonna try to like make videos for local bands. And okay. Maybe try to like do some films. Cause in high school, this is terrible, but a friend and I used to make these videos for, for Spanish class. Okay. And I'm making quotations with my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but they had nothing to do with Spanish class. Yeah. Like we would just make them for like whatever and she'd let us show them. I think that we were doing a poster the one time for something. And we're like, we're gonna make a video like a and, visual and a poster. <laughs> It was terrible because we just like made fun of Mexico and stuff. And later we were just like making like Mexican TV shows. It'd be like the, the Mexican version of Family Matters. And stuff. Oh like, god! Yeah, it was pretty bad. But uh, maybe it roots from that because we actually would have like the two VCRs hooked up and we'd record. Yeah. All of our takes, and then like 
dub the better ones uh -huh. onto the onto the tape, so we had like our own kind of editing setup. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, dude, I did a I did a movie in high school, and I edited it the same exact way with like two VCRs. Yeah. Just yeah, that's amazing. It was awesome, and I almost created the audio commentary because I wanted to like go back through <laughs> just with the audio like years later and like say like the things we messed up and like ideas we had and. I never did that, and then years later, the uh, like DVDs came out with the audio commentary, and they stole my idea. <laughs> Maybe Laserdisc did that too. Or I don't know. I'm but. sure they had it. There might have even been like some very special VHS tapes where the only version you could watch was with the audio commentary. I probably would have watched that. <laughs> I was the guy seeking out like the widescreen Star Wars Episode oh, One sure. VHS tape that like sure. where it was like thirty five dollars or something. Sure. What do you think was like? I know, I don't want to I don't want to throw it like what's your favorite movie of all time, but like what's one of like maybe like your favorites? You say you're a sci-fi guy. Oh, that's a loaded question. I don't know because like, but you like there are different bit. genres because I sure. like I love comedies. Okay. And uh, like I like to watch. I'm getting into like older movies like from the '40s, like screwball comedies and stuff yeah. like that. I'd never even heard of before, and you know, like now I'm like totally into it. I think I do that a lot, where like I don't even know about something, and then I find out about it, and I get like really locked into it, and I want to learn everything <laughs> I can about it. Yeah. Uh, That's the kind of the cool thing about the world that we live in today. There's like everything's so accessible, and if you want to go back and like on like and reflect on a specific era of something, it's not hard to do it at all. That is correct. Which, I mean, it kind of kills, like, the thrill of the hunt aspect. Which we talked you know, about before, yeah, before we started recording. Yeah, you know, I was talking about the fucking, the amplifier for the Bill and Ted action figures that I want. But, you know, also I think it's cool that if you hear about a movie and you want to watch it, the access to it's so much easier than having to go and spend $35 on a VHS tape. Yeah. I remember in high school on, uh... The VHS tape for Henry Portrait of a Zero, Serial Killer. There's a preview for a movie called Death Spa. I've heard of Death Spa. It's the place to go to get a killer workout. <laughs> <laughs> and the trailer <laughs> is like the best fucking movie trailer ever. And me and my friends wanted nothing more than to see this movie. And the only copy we could ever find, there was a copy online, it was $75. Uh. We never got it. We never bought it. But down the road, one of like somebody was eventually able to get a copy of it like after the internet and things became a thing for cheap and we watched it and it was just like bad yeah it's a terrible movie the trailer's so much better <laughs> but to think there was a time when so many people probably got burned like shelling out tons of money for these things that were just obscure and now that market's gone because you can stream practically yeah, anything pretty, anywhere pretty much like youtube you can look up anything even if it's not like a foreign language um, but I think the best feeling ever is if you go to, like, The Exchange or Half Price Books. I don't get to very many flea markets. I wish I did. But yeah. like, with my job, it's, like, not really possible. And was when you find something that's, like, out of print or something you've been looking for forever. Oh, yeah, dude. Or you just stumble on something you didn't even know existed and it's, like, yeah. the most amazing thing ever. That's the best feeling. That's I think that's why I, I don't get to go to flea markets very often myself, but I usually go to a lot of, like, toy and collectible conventions. And I love just, like, digging for shit that, like, nobody cares about. You've, I just, like, I like weird shit. You've obviously gone to the Still City. Yeah, Con, yeah. Yeah. 
um, like arcade glass. I never would have thought, you know, that one guy, he, he like mounts them and has the back leg <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Like, I figured out how to do it, but I don't want to get that intense. Yeah. But, you know, one of the first times I went, I saw that and I was like, this is so cool. Sure. And this is a world I never knew existed, so now I have Pac-Man. Oh, cool. And I have um, Popeye, which was cool because I like Popeye and it was like one of the Nintendo's like first. Uh-huh. And I have Duck Hunt, so. But yeah, like that's something where I was like, you know, I would have never thought people sell the more keys out of arcade games and there they were and that's that's a cool thing now they're on my wall in my house awesome so were you into games growing up too yeah see when i was really little we had an, an atari like i had an atari 2600 in my bedroom yeah on my like eight inch black and white television uh-huh. you know but uh i want to say maybe third grade was when like nintendo came out second grade something along those lines sure but yeah i was like super big into nintendo and then like i had the super nintendo and that's kind of where i started to get out or probably yeah. you were probably maybe in the gamecube well no super <laughs> nintendo was my first system okay that's i cool. got a super nintendo it was new i was like three or four i don't I say again i know you're like 97, 97 but i don't think i'm that much younger than you are yeah, compared you, to because I, I was always honestly like within the people in our scene i was always like five six years older than everybody yeah anyways so we're not <laughs> you might be a little bit older than me but we're not too far off trust me understandable um but yeah super nintendo was my first system but uh i had experience with nintendo not not atari i didn't know anybody that had an atari we had atari then we had something called atari 5200 which yeah. is kind of rare i guess um that was awesome because the graphics were better the games were better we had this thing called, um, it was like Mario Paint, but it was like some kind of Smurf painting. Thing. Oh, weird. Yeah, and you could like record your own little cartoons with the Smurfs and like draw backgrounds huh. and somehow it recorded and you, it would play back your little creations. But uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. But then Nintendo, I think the first games I got was like Popeye, which, you know, okay, I, I, I just referenced that marquee. Yeah. Um, and Kung Fu and Excite Bike. Okay, yeah, like the black box games. Yeah. Well, Popeye wasn't a black box game, but Excite Bike and Excite Bike. Excite Bike. Excite Bike. <laughs> Excite Bike and Kung Fu are both black box games. Yeah, when it was just like Nintendo making them. Yeah. I think before, like you know, you had all the other companies. All the third party stuff came in. Yeah, but uh, Zelda that was huge. That was like one of the big games. What? Well, well, I was disappointed in Double Dragon. That was one that, like, when you played it in the arcade, it was, like, so good. And then when you I got it on Nintendo, it was I'm pretty... I think I'm almost positive that the original NES version of that is only one player. You could be correct. But I think that um, whenever the second one came out, or... I, I'm pretty... There is some version of Double Dragon that's only one player, which completely defeats the fucking purpose. Yeah. I... Yeah. Double Dragon. Even the guys were, like, tiny or something. I don't know. It was really cool. And Punch-Out, that was another one. And the arcade Punch-Out was amazing. Which I liked Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but it was not the same. I, I didn't play either of those when I was a kid. I had Super Punch-Out, and I fucking hated it. Because that game was hard. I know, in comparison to Punch-Out, it's not that hard, but... Yeah. I was like... I don't know. I think I just liked platforming games. I liked fighting games a lot. Mortal Kombat was like... Oh, yeah. That Mortal shit Kombat. fucked me up. Well, my brother had a Genesis. And... Is that right? Gen yeah. Yeah. And uh, and we had an I had a neighbor who I played hockey with street hockey, 
and he had a Genesis. He would have like tournaments at his house. We'd have like the, like just Genesis <laughs> tournaments. The street, well, the Street Fighter. Okay. Tournaments, you know. Sure. I don't remember how it was set up. I'm not gonna lie, but I just remember <laughs> we'd go over and we'd have these tournaments where you fight and there were brackets and things of that nature. It was probably not as elaborate as it is in, yeah. my, in my brain. I but. don't think I was ever good enough at any video games to be in any sort of a tournament. <laughs> but uh, we've done shit here. Like downstairs, we have a, a projector on the wall and uh, have like a bunch of like, we had like Mario Kart tournaments here and stuff. And my roommate fucking kills people in Mario Kart. It's like, I won't even like play. He's <laughs> playing. I don't know why fuck, he's so good at Mario Kart, but. Some people are just good at stuff. Yeah. Speaking of movies, okay, so I'm really into documentaries. Okay. That's probably, like, the main thing I like to watch. Okay. And there's a documentary about Tetris called, uh, something, I don't remember the name, <laughs> but it's just about these people <laughs> who, like, like, who, like, mastered Tetris, Ecstasy of the Order, that's what it's called. Oh, okay. And these people that, like, mastered Tetris, and they just played it for years, and they're so good, and this guy set up a tournament for that. If you've ever seen The King of Kong... I haven't seen... I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. There are so many, like, offshoots of that, where there's one about, like, this ultimate old-school arcade, and, uh, I don't know. I, I like that stuff. Like, Spellbound, the one about... Uh, yeah, I saw Spellbound. Yeah. I got one recently. It's called Make Believe. It's about, like, there's some magic... Not magic, like, the card game, but, like... Yes. <laughs> like, actual, like... Yes, like, Houdini and shit. Yes, yeah. exactly. About these, like, teenagers... Grab it on the hat. Who, like, go to this tournament every year. This international magic tournament. Of huh. Kids from Japan and South Africa in it. Like, Weird. These are the kind of things I like to watch. That's cool. It's, like, real. Yeah. I like reality, but not, like, the reality that's on TV that's and, not real at all. Sure. And plus, if all of the good stories that you like keep being retold over and over again by Hollywood, why are you going to keep watching them? Yes. It's like, I've already seen this movie. I don't need to see it again. And, like, a shittier version of it. If Sandra Bullock's in it, here's the deal. If Sandra Bullock <laughs> is in a movie, here's what's going to happen. She, there's going to be a guy she either, like, works for or bumps into that she has friction with and doesn't like at all. Okay. But somehow he will endear himself to her, and by the end they'll get together. That's every Sandra Bullock movie. Just, you know, you can... It's, it's, it's just Sounds like a load of Bullocks to yeah, me. Yeah, it's cookie cutter. It's so, <laughs> it's so cookie cutter. Foreign films, at least you get something different. Sure. I don't know if you watch any foreign films, but, like, I, I mean, they're not all great, but, I mean, you know. I mean, I, I have a problem with a lot of, like, Asian cinema. How <laughs> <laughs> about French cinema? <laughs> so, um, no, I actually, I really do. I watch a lot of Asian stuff. I have a lot of, like, anime yeah. type of things going on with me. How about, have you ever seen Spirited Away? Yes. That movie? That yes. Was, that movie's so weird. Like, I like stuff like that, too. Yeah, it's Which, awesome. It's just so weird. You're like, well, I don't even know what's happening, but this is good. <laughs> Spirited Away is... It's a really cool movie. It's very imaginative. And it's a, it's an original story. It I is. mean, granted, that movie's a lot older than America knows it to be. Yeah, yeah. But it's still... It exists. <laughs> original things do exist, but I don't find that they exist coming from America. Yes. Too incredibly often. Well, not from Hollywood. I mean, you sure, sure, filmmakers. Sure. Well, you could say the same thing about like music too. There's probably like, like, a thousand different favorite bands that you'll never hear because everything's too uh, manufactured. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know how 
much you keep up with underground music or music at all. You, at one point in time, had a pretty decent involvement in the local music scene, which I feel like we maybe should segue into that. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> uh, music. I probably own, like, 1,500 CDs. Like, yeah. You know, back in the day, man, I had a paper route. I'd make, like, $120 a month, and CDs were, like, $16. And, you know, that was, that was a lot, but that's yeah. pretty much all I bought, that and baseball cards. Uh-huh. And now you can go to the exchange and, like, you know, I'll, Get find, all I'll the... find stuff for, like, a dollar. I'm like, oh, this, this CD was amazing. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, I always wanted this. I love that. The 250 section, the $5 section. Yeah. You'll find stuff you didn't even know that you needed, but, you know, <laughs> as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, that, I need that. Absolutely. But, yeah, the, the music scene, um... Like, where did your appreciation for music come from because you have to have some sort of a you you had to have given a fuck i'm, I'm sure you still give a fuck but do, in yeah. order to like be like yeah i want to like promote shows in a city where that I'm, i know i'm not gonna like make any money or do anything but i i care about this and this is fun so like where did it start okay i'm gonna take you way back okay i was never really into music at all until i was about 16 i guess and i we were going on vacation, and my cousin had In Utero by Nirvana. And for whatever reason, I was like, I need to listen to this. <laughs> you know, and at the time, I think the CDs I had were like Mariah Carey Music Box and like yeah. Billy Joel's Greatest Hits. Like, I was not into that kind of thing at all. And uh, it was unlistenable. It was so unlistenable. I was like, how can anyone listen to this? I was like skipping tracks at the end. But it was in my head. Like, days later, I kept thinking about it. So I had to buy about it. in in utero in utero okay probably my favorite album ever and, and I don't know like it, it grew on me and like like radio friendly unit shifter which is like one of the most like inaccessible songs uh-huh. ever is like my one of my absolute <laughs> favorite songs but then I got into like that whole alternative scene but not necessarily like the mainstream stuff like more like Liz Fair and stuff like that yeah 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 and uh. Which eventually got into, like, the punk rock. Like, I heard MXPX and The Descendants and things like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 totally. And I was like, okay, I think I relate to this more. And I went to my first Warped Tour in 97. Okay. Which was, like, 20 bands for 20 bucks. That's before, yeah. you know. Was it at uh, Station Square still? It was, yes. Yeah. And, like, Blink-182 opened. Like, Dude Ranch was out. But, uh-huh. like, you know, they were, like, nobody. And, yeah. Uh, Less Than Jake played. Real Big Fish headline. I went to... I don't remember what year it was. I was really young, though. And I went to a Warped Tour at Station Square. And I know MXPX was there because I met them. Descendants weren't there, but All was there. And I met All. Yeah, I mean, it had to be like 98 or 99. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I was, like, a kid. Yeah. And uh, But it was awesome because I was into all of that stuff when I was that age. It was just like, yeah, I just want to ride my skateboard and listen to bands <laughs> on Epitaph Records. Exactly. Like all I gave a fuck about. Yes. Epitaph and, uh, I mean, there were, there were a few oh, more. Oh, dude, right? he had, like, Fat Rack and Hopeless and, um... I got a sampler that day, actually. Like, I watched The Bouncing Souls and, like, I don't know, some dude is walking around. He's like, here, take this. And, like, the queers were on it. Yeah. And, uh... I can't even remember, but it was like 25 bands and I hadn't even heard half of them. And like, I was like, I have to buy these CDs now. Uh-huh. So that's really what kind of got me into music. And then like, I grew up in Manesson, which is like right next to Bell Vernon. Yeah. And the dudes from Punchline, you know, are from Bell Vernon. Okay. And plus you had like Nick Revac from the Berlin Project. So, uh, 
It was a pretty good, you know what I mean? It was a pretty good music scene. Yeah. But those guys weren't like super famous yet. Like Punchline's um, this self-titled CD was out. They weren't touring. They were just like more or less a local band. And uh, But like I liked them a lot. They were good dudes when I met them. And I was like, I want to help these guys out. So I set up two shows for free at the Manesson. What made you want to set up a show? I don't, well, like, like how does like this is this is the funniest thing ever. Like I was watching No Doubt behind the music on like VH, VH1, okay. and they were talking about how when they went on tour, like no one cared about them, and you know, but when they were at home, they had this huge fan base, and I was like, you know, and they played in and around Pittsburgh, but they never really played at home, and I was like, I'm just gonna set up a show and have people come for free so that they know that these guys exist. Okay. And that was just I don't know. I just wanted to help out. I just wanted to do my part, I guess. That's awesome. And it was at like a basketball court. It sounded terrible. We used their practice PA, but it was <laughs> it was something. And then they started touring, and uh, we got like kicked out of the of the Civic Center because someone tore like a no smoking sign. Uh. They charged me like thirty dollars or something for like a, this thing they printed out on their printer and like print shop or something yeah, on, the, yeah, yeah. on their sure. apple 2c so, <laughs> so i was like all right so i discovered the shallow vfw and we did the first three shows ever there and that was it like you know once they got big and started like touring and stuff that was i just did hometown shows for them and then josh who was doing bridgeport at the time it works for you know Drusky yeah, now. yeah he started doing shows there and there was like a, a developing scene but locals didn't really play it was like just the guys from Bill Vernon would sell tickets and open and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, like, I'd met, like, a lot of bands, like SF Fire Hydrant and Almost Cool and, and Honan. Like, these dudes were, like, you know, I saw them all the time at shows, whether they were playing or, you know, just hanging out. So I wanted them to, like, just play so people in the Mon Valley could, could see these guys in this, like, burgeoning scene, I guess. Sure, so it almost became, it was like a happy accident, in a way. Yeah, so it, it was supposed like to be... right one, time, right place. It was supposed to be one show, and... Um, this girl, um, Brittany Williams, we did it, we started it together. She was, like, twisting my arm, like, you need to do shows again, I'll help you. And I was like, ah, it's so much pressure, and, you know, I don't know. I, it was just hassle, I guess, yeah. at, to me at the time, trying to, like, this is before MySpace, you know what I mean? This is, like, sure. mp3.com days. <laughs> like, how did you spread the word? <laughs> Aim. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so we were going to do this, this one show, and then... Chris, I managed the movie gallery, like the video store in, in Bel Vernon, and he came in one day and they were, they'd recorded, or they didn't record action yet, but they had the songs written, and they were going out to Chicago to record, and he was like, we want to go to like some kind of open mic night and just like play these songs for people who don't know who we are, and I was like, dude, we're like planning this show, you should play it as a secret show, so like he talked to Steve about it, and so they played the show as the Dirty Garbage Men, which was from their, their DVD. Like, there was a joke in their DVD that they were the Dirty Garbage Men originally. Yeah. So we, like, hid their amps in this kitchen, and, like, the only person who knew was um, Matt from SF Fire Hydrant, because they were the headliners. Okay. Again, I'm using quotations with my fingers. Sure. <laughs> they were the headliners. And so we had this schedule made up, and, you know, Mike Farina played, and I'm like, oh, we got to bump you up a little bit. The Dirty Garbage Men aren't here yet. You know, and then Honan was next. We're like, oh, we got to bump you guys up. The Dirty Garbage Men aren't here yet. And so I think there was, like, an idea that it was going to be Punchline from people who had seen the DVD. Yeah. And then, uh, so they played action all the way through as the Dirty Garbage Men. But anyway, long story short, the show was pretty huge. There was over 100 people. And then we were like, we have to keep doing this. 
So we just planned some more shows. I bought a PA. I learned how to use it. I had no idea <laughs> before that, you know, sure. how to run a PA. But I had, the, you know, I just wrote down the stuff I got from pianos and stuff. And I was like, all right, just find this stuff on eBay and, <laughs> you know, look in catalogs, find it cheap. Yeah. And the second show, I think, Space Pimps played and second before the crash. Okay. And then the third show, Clearview played and Running From Romance and, like, Wings of Azrael. Yeah. And uh, then, like, the fifth show, Procession Came Opposite from Philly came out. Like, they were doing this, like, little tour with The Week in July. Okay. And uh, so then we just started doing stuff, you know, we were like, hey, what if we get bands from, like, Cleveland and Philly to come out? You yeah. know, like, just help out little touring bands. And then it just... It, it just kept... Yeah, it kept just kept growing. Then I'd have, like, agents emailing me or, you know, touring bands and kind of went from there. But, I mean, Charleroi, that's all it was supposed to be, just helping, like, local bands in Charleroi, and then it kind of blew up. It's kind of... I think that any time... I think a lot of the times for local promoters that it... where it, they take it to the next level, it starts like that. It's they're doing something small and local, but it ends up being really good and really fruitful, so people want to leech off of it. <laughs> and then, you know, you start getting people clawing at you like hey i want to play shows i want to play shows yeah and then it stops being fun yeah it's almost it's almost like the kurt cobain thing i wish there was like a punch in time clock because okay. like you know i'd go to smalls to see like motion city soundtrack or something and i'm like people i don't even know are like coming up to me like don't you're donald from player hey my band needs shows and stuff I'm like yeah. dude i just paid 20 dollars to watch motion city soundtrack and i watch them play <laughs> you know you'd be at the mall and people are like tracking you down so that part of it wasn't necessarily fun but yeah i mean i love do you find it like like flattering at all or like in a way like yeah like i'm important and people <laughs> want to get a hold of me or was this sort of like this side of you it was just like ah, just leave me alone i didn't ask for this no I, I mean i enjoyed it don't get me wrong i because i did play her for like seven years yeah and it just at the end here's a good example of one I, I was like this is the last straw we only i only set up one show with you if, if you recall and it, it didn't even happen yeah i remember that because you were doing like a lot of concert chaos shows because part of the thing is like you don't want to overexpose someone you know what i mean and you want to kind of like promote the shows so you were doing a lot of shows and i don't really want to step on his band's toes if you know what i mean yeah i was i was just like in that time i think like around the time you were probably like the last year or so that you were active was like when i had first started yeah and i was just like hungry as fuck <laughs> like i just want to play shows i don't care I just want to play stuff. So I remember I was, like, hitting you up a lot. And I would hit up anybody. Like, I just wanted to fucking play shows. Yeah. Now, I mean, like, I understand, like, it was good at the time. Like, a lot of people, I got a lot of exposure really quick. But, like, yeah. I would never, I don't do that shit anymore. It's, like, one show every other month, maybe, in yeah. Pittsburgh. But... Yeah, it kind of burns you out. Oh, yeah. And, totally. and, and the fan base, too, because, you know, if you're playing, you know. Well, like 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 a band like a week in July or the Victory Year who played a lot like they sold sh tickets for Josh every month for like Armor for Sleep or uh -huh. you know May whoever was coming through and after a while people were just like I don't even want to see that band anymore you know what I mean the, yeah. the people who were pumped about them because they played they saw them like every month twice a month sometimes for me though yeah. um, I was doing something that was different. a little bit different <laughs> and sure. I didn't and I didn't really fit in anywhere. Yeah. And the thing that my angle kind of was, was I recognized early on that even within, like, 
Concert Chaos or like what was it Chase's thing like Drop Dead Productions player like all these there was clicks <laughs> within clicks. these groups of people like there was some people that only went to like player production shows were only friends with those bands that you know that set and it was like the player family I didn't really fit in anywhere so I would try to play shows everywhere because I felt like I could get away with it because I never fit in <laughs> so it was all it always worked out yeah you know? And I had the perfect show with, with Let's Get It. Yeah. Who, like... Okay, so Dave Shapiro was an, a booking agent. He still is. And he had, like, Devil Wears Prada. He had Pierce the Veil. He had Attack Attack. Miss May I. You know, a lot of the bands that I was doing shows with that he was giving to me, he wasn't going to Mike Sanders at Mr. Smalls. Or, yeah. Or, you know, pe like Joker. People that he could have been giving those shows to, he was giving me a chance, which was awesome. Because he knew I'd work hard for it. So when I had a band like Let's Get It, you know, I was like, all right, I got to do this guy solid, you know, like, it's not going to be this huge show, but whatever. So then, uh, you know, we booked the show at the subculture, and then the subculture kind of closed, and then this other guy bought it, and he's like, oh, don't worry, we're going to do rap shows, but you can do your show. And then, like, all the bands showed up, and we're waiting, and I'm calling the guy, and he's like, I'll be there in five minutes. And he never showed up, and then the cops showed up, and they're like... Oh yeah, we shut this place down because there was this rap show and there were fights and we went inside and they were smoking marijuana and they were underage drinking and all this stuff and I'm like, well, this has nothing to do with me, like you know, yeah. like I've got like four bands here and so I'm running around to all these halls trying to like find out if someone will let us, you know, do the show and then and all so then it's done so I have to pay all these bands like I lose like five hundred dollars yeah and then. So Andrea, um, who was doing Shoot Me at the Smile photography, she was with Okay. Me. So we go to her house in Clarendon. I'm like, I got to get on MySpace. I got to announce this thing's not happening. And all the chaos, I forgot to even tell you. So, like, <laughs> I'm on MySpace. I'm on the computer there. I'm, like, talking to the cops. Like, you know, this guy has my money for the venue. Like, is there some kind of court date for you shutting him down? And then I, and my phone rings, and it's just Sykes. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And I'm like, you're like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, this show's not happening. It's, yeah. It's canceled. I felt like an idiot because I didn't even tell you. Just in all the chaos, I like, it slipped my mind. So the show never happened. But you would have fit in great with Let's Get It. Yeah. But anyway, long story short, that was like one of the like, last straws where I was like, okay, I booked this show. I worked hard for it. Now I had to lose $500 sure. because some shady dude put on some show that just got the place shut down and didn't even tell me. Like, I'm calling him, and he's saying, I'll be there in five minutes. And, you know, I'm, I'm there with, like, four touring yeah, bands. What did he think was going to happen? Whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. Like, I never... He told me that his, like, vice president or something was going to give me a check. So I met up with this lady one day. She wrote me a check, and she's like, don't cash this till next Friday. <laughs> and then the check bounced. So I don't know what happened. But that was, like, stuff that just... I don't know. The stuff kept happening at the end that was really frustrating. Huh. And, and, I, and, you know, I didn't do it to make money. I, I I made money at the end on some shows, obviously. The shows like that I lost. Yeah. But I did it just to help my friends, you know, local bands, touring bands I liked. Uh-huh. And uh, it just it just got to a point where it was, it was just frustrating. It was just really... Uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I've, I've booked my fair share of shows myself, and every time I book a show, I'm like, this is the last show I'm ever going to book. <laughs> every time. It's too much work especially like i would love to just book a show and not have to also play it and like worry about like my set on top of all this other stuff but yeah it was it was a lot easier back in the day when like it was at the vfw they charged me 150 i had my own pa i was the sound guy yeah yeah, yeah. i got to meet like you know like i'm 
like the gym class heroes. Like I'm still boys with Travis McCoy to this day. Like cool. Just from us like working together on this on that one on one like type setting. I'm receiving at a sirens. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Yeah. But then like 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 the Attack Attack show, the last big show that I did at Mr. Smalls, I think there were like nine thousand dollars in expenses. Okay. So if no one shows up. Like, that's my life savings at that, <laughs> at that point, you know? Maybe, yeah. maybe more than I had in the bank. So, like, that's just a lot of... Like, I'm not a gambler. If I have money, I want to keep it. And it was like playing the lottery or something yeah. like, sometimes with those shows. So, that aspect I didn't like either. And, that, and, my, that... and MySpace was dying, too. Yeah. You know, we had this MySpace with, like, 12,000 people in Pittsburgh. Like, I was... I spent three or four hours every day, like, you know making sure people knew about the shows, building up this thing, and it was just, like, becoming a ghost town. I mean, people knew about it, you yeah. know? It, it worked, but then I think that something... It did, it did kind of taper off. I think you kind of... I think you bowed out graciously at a very <laughs> good point. Yeah, I do, too. Cause I, the, the Facebook thing doesn't work as well. There was no way I was putting in that work. Yeah. Like, all the venues were closing at that point. There was, like... You know, you were doing Mr. Smalls, or you were doing, like, a little... And also, there's kind of a... If you're not, like, really hungry to make it happen, then the amount of effort that you're going to really want to put in genuinely is going to die off, too. Yeah. But now there's, like, a new generation of these kids that are in their younger, like, early 20s that are doing these house shows and, like, these weird venues, and, like, there's a ton of it going on, and it's awesome, and it's cool because like, they're young, and they're hungry, and they care, and it's just like, I don't care that much anymore, but I'm glad you do. Yeah. Keep it alive. Yeah, keep something going. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's nice. Like, I've gone to shows with, like, two, two, two arms being yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like, Roboto, you did that show at Roboto, didn't you? With, like, Old Fears Played, and Sykes Played. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, like, I love going to smaller shows like that. Like, the VFW style. Uh-huh. Like, like, that to me is, like, the real DIY punk rock, you know, this is where sure, you're Sure, it's not even, like a, like, a punk thing. It's just, like, there's, like, a... I like something to tell like, myself it's punk. It's something that's, like, there's, like, it's something that's really, like, intimate about it, I think. It's just, like... I feel like you have, like... These, like, local bands that'll be like, oh, we're gonna do a show at Alter Bar. And it's just, like, this weird, like, facade of, like, uh, like they're trying to make themselves look bigger than they are. Yeah, and like, CD release party at fucking Diesel. Ten people showed up. Yeah, it's like, if it's 450 people and you're, <laughs> you're playing at, like, ten, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It looks stupid. I don't, I don't care. There, there, there isn't a lighting system in the world that's gonna make <laughs> that show look cool if... That enough people aren't there. And Diesel, too. Not to, like, pick on Diesel, but that sound system wasn't the best, either. I mean, that place wasn't built to do concerts. It no. Was, it was built to be, like, a nightclub. Yeah. And then once, like, I don't know, 9.30 hit or whatever, they're like, you gotta get out. <laughs> like, they're, like, <laughs> like, pushing you out the door. Yeah. I mean, it was great for the shows I did there. You know, the, like, we did Pierce the Veil and Breathe Carolina there. Oh, jeez, yeah. We did the first Attack Attack show there. It was I supposed was to at, be a games and that, and, then, like, that it, and then it blew up so much that we were like, we gotta move Dude, this thing. games and that for shows was awesome. It was. I loved doing that place. Because, like, I mean, between bands, you can go play games yeah. for free. It was, that was... It was like a marketing I tool in and of itself. I loved that. And I wish they still did it, because I live walking distance from the damn place now, <laughs> yeah. and nothing fucking cool happens there now. I mean, I wonder if... I've often thought about doing, like, a battle of the bands there, because I always like doing that, too. 
that was like kind of like my grassroots thing where I'd be like, all right. Because at some point I just started working with like, you know, like you're saying, there was a clique of bands that like I, I worked with and I made sure like I didn't want to put a band on the show until I saw them first. Okay. Because if, if you're recording and you sound good recorded, that's great. But if you're on stage and you're a mess, then I didn't want you on my show. You know well, what I that, mean? That's actually really cool because that's the thing that, and I have no problem calling people out like Concert Chaos in this, like. I'll tell Bill to his face that he books bad bands. It doesn't matter. Like not every band he books is bad, <laughs> but it's it was always it was never it was a matter of sales. exactly like can you bring people to the show? Great. It wasn't a thing of like actually curating an event that's going to be enjoyable for people to be at. Yeah, and I, I definitely wanted every show to be quality. And you know, like at the end, like we were doing those shows, and local bands are like hitting me up, like, "Oh, do you need an opener for this?" And it's like. No, there's, I mean, there's four bands, and this shows, there's going to be 500 people there, I don't, you know, putting a local <laughs> band on is just going to make it kind of silly. Yeah. Just like those shows where there'd be like eight bands, it would start at like four o'clock or uh -huh. something. Like, no one's going to be there, but th like the five people that the, that band brings, no one gains anything from that. Like, they're not gaining any fans. Like, the promoter, okay, maybe they brought five people, that helps your bottom that, line, but... I was, think that, like, you need to, like... If you're a young band, you don't even realize that until you've been through it. Yeah. You know? It's like, I've played enough shows selling tickets, trying to open up for some big act that I thought was going to be a, a big deal. Because it makes sense. Like, <laughs> oh, great. Like, I'm going to be playing with so-and-so. Yeah. But then, you know, you do it a couple times and you realize every time you do it, nobody's there. Yeah. And you're working you know, really hard. Your friend, yeah, you're working really hard. To make Th those, money for somebody else. Those bands aren't watching you. Yeah. It's just, it's useless. I mean, in the MySpace days, you could be like, "Oh, I played with this band." You know, oh yeah, that, that was kind of a thing, I guess, where people were impressed. Well, I mean, you can still do that now, but it's just, it's not that hard to yeah. get on a show. Yeah, it's more, you know, the shows at the Smelling Moose. It's more like, you know, how many tickets can you sell? That's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing, more or less. Because there's not that many bands left, and it's like, oh. Yeah. And and, I, and again, if you are selling, like, 30, 40 tickets, they're going to keep putting you on. Until you run out of people to sell those 30 or 40 tickets to, because they're like, oh, dude, I already saw you 26 times. Yeah. And then, then the promoter drops you, because they're dude. like, oh, we're, you're not going to bring anybody, so whatever. Yeah, I don't know if it's because, like, maybe the music that I make has no merit, or it's not good, but I've never had, like, a promoter just hit me up, really, outside of, like, maybe, like, smaller promoter, like, a bigger promoter. Yeah, yeah. Be like, hey, I like what you're doing, I want you on this show because I like what you're doing. I've never heard of that ever. It's just like, hey, show offer, do you think you could sell some tickets? <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. But that's, I mean, that's why I like the Battle of the Bands things, because I can have ten bands, normally one or two would drop off, but... <laughs> you know, like, like the like good bands would walk away with some money in their pocket, and, uh -huh. and like I would see them like Macy and the first time. Well, that's a lie, but I want to like Macy in and um, been through fire. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. Hope, Hope on a rope. The first time I saw Hope on a rope was on a player battle at like the Charlotte VFW, and there are certain bands I was like, these guys are really good. Who maybe I wouldn't have seen them otherwise. Um, but Macy and yeah, they were they were supposed to play the one player battle. And then they were doing a show with Ice Nine Kills, okay. and when we came as Romans, and Cali AC was playing at the Lawrenceville Moose, 
So I went, you know, I was going to the show anyway. I was like, cool, I'll get to just, like, check these guys out, like, all covertly. They won't know who I am. And then, you know, after the set, Cam comes up. He's like, hey, Donald, how are you? Like, you don't know <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I guess they know who I am. <laughs> it didn't, didn't work out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but usually I was seeing those bands for the first time at the battle. And if I really liked them, you know, I wasn't one to, like, BS anybody. I wasn't going to be like, hey, good set, guys. If, they, if you were terrible, like, not, not to be a jerk, but, you know. Yeah, man, I really liked. I'd be like, all right, you know, you sold tickets for this. You were good. I liked you. Let's put you on something else. And yeah, that, that's kind of. It was kind of like a, you know, I built relationships with bands. I guess like if you opened and you brought people, then I'd put you on a better slot. Yeah, that makes you, sense. You could paid more money. You know what I mean? Like, like nothing unexpected was the opening band on our first show, and they were the headlining band on our last show. It was like a, it was like a bookend almost. Yeah, and those guys went from like no one knew them and. You know, we built such a relationship that when we did the Player 5 Years show, there was like 550 people or something that came to Mr. Smalls, and they were the headliner. They're just a local band, so that was really cool to see, Yeah, they, you they, know, that progression. They had a, a cute little following. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, pretty boys with their nice songs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, that has something to do with it, too, I think. The girls were like, oh, yeah, yeah. sure. But, you know. Sure, totally. Musically, I thought they had a chance to get signed. Like, Victory talked to them a lot, and... But it was cool to see bands like Once Nothing, uh-huh. you know, get signed. And Dude, when the morning light came out, I was like, this band's going to be huge. Yeah. It was cool because they signed to, you know, Fearless. and. But that's how the industry changes you, too. Like, you know, they had this really good thing going, and then they signed, and then the record label's like, all right, well, we want you to dress like this in this photo shoot, and we want you to sound more like all-time low now. Like, I don't know, it's... The higher levels of the music industry are very scummy. <laughs> that's all I'm. Oh, all sure. I, I think like anything that. that's anything, any time where business creeps into anything creative, there's always some sort of like weird, like I don't know, leech like sucking on the life force of what made that thing unique to begin with. Yeah, it's and like, you signed this band because they sounded like this. And yeah. Now you want to completely change them. That doesn't. I guess it doesn't make sense to me, but I guess, you know, someone in their marketing part of the department thinks it makes sense. Yeah. So that's that. But yeah, it stinks. Well, so it's been how many years since you've booked a show? <laughs> well, a player show? 2010. Okay. 2009. So you've done maybe some things, like, in between? Well, a year after... A year after we, I ended Player, I did like this like Player Family Reunion thing. Okay. At, at Club Cafe, it was it was just it was closed, like it wasn't announced. It was free to like we could fit 150 people, so yeah. I invited like 150 people, you know, and like just people played two acoustic songs, like like oh cool from the Player Family. So it was more just like rather than a show, it was more like a like it, a hangout. Yeah, it was for us to get together and and play some songs and. But a lot of people came out. Was it cool? Yeah, you know, I invited 150 people. It was free. There was probably like 70 or 80 that came out. That's decent. And uh, yeah, it was great. Everybody played their two songs. And Phil, from oh gosh, Phil was in like a million bands. He was in Second Before the Crash, and now he's in someone in the somethings. But it was his birthday, so like I got a cake. He didn't know about it. (laughs) We surprised him when he was on stage and everybody got to have some cake. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, it was a good time. We used to do player pirate games. I'd buy 50 tickets. Oh, wow. And like send out a MySpace message. Anyone that wants to come, you know, and 
tickets would be like eight dollars and we'd get together and have a good time so for me it was like 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 a family honestly it really was we'd go out in the early days we'd go out to the denny's or eaton park yeah you know clear view almost cool Rishi from the Space Pimps after drama. It was like, it was cool. I, I liked it. And it's just, it just all changed <laughs> over time. It just all changed. Do you think it was like everybody getting older? Maybe some of the bands like dropping off, quitting, and then yeah. newer bands coming onto the scene that were maybe younger that you like maybe didn't have an interest in or I didn't know they them. didn't understand you. And like maybe like the, I think also like this kind of like, I think like the player family we'll say, well, uh, was very clicky. It also was, like, very kind of genre-based. I think, like, you know, <laughs> it had, way, like, yeah. a very, like, you know, all of the bands were definitely more, like, and, like, a like a pop-punk, pop-rock, indie-rock sort of thing. You didn't really have many, like, heavier bands. I don't know, maybe you booked, like, Jaded Holly a few yeah, times or yeah, something, yeah. and Girl Fight, yeah. and, like, those guys. So, and once nothing at the end, we got, yeah, like, yeah. like, nothing, like, you know, I started working a lot with them. I saw Drew from Clearview at the one time, he was like, so you only book shows with most nothing now, right? <laughs> that just, it just seemed that way, I guess, for a little time period. But yeah, and Macy and Girl Fight, okay, yeah. you know, at the end, but, you know, things that, are starting to get... That's, like, one that's... But, like, I think when you started, that style wasn't really a thing. And then it... Yeah. As yeah. you were ending, that style became Wings more of, relevant. Wings At least, of, like, the, the Macian Devil Wars Prada kind of style. Yeah. yeah. Wings of Azrael was, like, one of those... I mean, they weren't that extreme, but... But, oh, man, that band was so good. Like, we would do <laughs> shows... Myself and Josh at the VFW, and it's, like... So many kids would come out, and they were so good. And that's another band. They went out... You know, they toured, like, did mini tours with Chiodos and yeah. um, Fear Before the Martian Flames and stuff. And they went out and showcased for Victory, and this stuff happened. You know, I, I don't know yeah. discuss it on air, but, um, you know, and, like, I thought for sure they had a good chance of getting signed. Like, they had such a good thing going. There's just so many bands. But, you know, then I, it did get more pop-punky for me for a while there, if, uh -huh. you, if you want to call it that. And then at the end, like, that genre did get more popular with the Jaded Hollies. And yeah. Because in the, in, there was a period where we did shows at the Chalaray Italian Club, and these shows were terrible. Like, I mean, it just, the VFW shut down, and so I had like nine shows planned that summer. So we moved them up there, and just kids didn't want to come. It was a different venue. It didn't sound as good. Yeah. So like, you know, the first couple, it was good, then it was like bad. And that, I was doing shows then with like Demise of Eros and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And, like, <laughs> the shows were doing so bad. So, <laughs> like, I, felt, I felt bad. I mean, you know, if you had, like, 20 kids, that was, like, a successful show. Whereas normally, you know, our shows were, like, 60, 70, 80 yeah. kids normally at the VFW. Um, maybe that hurt the, that genre for me, too. Just <laughs> because the shows did so bad at that time period. I don't know. But I loved Demise Eros. That band was so good. I'd go see them anywhere. <laughs> Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, so we did that one year, that player family reunion thing, and then I just, that was it. I stopped. I didn't miss it. Because I, I got it out of my blood. I detoxed. I didn't, I stopped going to shows for a while. Just, I wanted to make sure, like, I was like, this is my final decision. Yeah. This thing is happening. What about music? Did music stick with you at all? Do you, like, keep up with any... I'm sure you listen to music. I don't oh, think yeah. you're like a fucking weirdo. But <laughs> yeah. like, do you like keep up with current music? Are there any? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, do you keep up with local music? Not really as much. Sure. I mean, the people that I'm friends with. Yeah. I still, I still you know, I, I'll follow what they're doing. 
and I don't get out very much, like, just because I live in Chalaroy, which is like an hour away. Uh-huh. And a lot of, most of the times I'm working six days a week. And I, I deliver mail. I don't know if you know that. Like, no. I'm a mailman. Okay. So, you know, you're walking like nine miles a day up and down hills and steps and, like, you get rained on and stuff. And then, you know, there's a show Saturday and on Monday I'm like, yes! I can't wait to go see Under the Covers on Saturday. And then Saturday I go home and I'm like, I am not leaving my house. <laughs> you know, and I'm like asleep on the couch by 8.30. So, so. it really wears you down, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah, plus the drive. Like, sometimes I slack, too. I'm like, I'm going to go to this show. I'm going to leave at 6. And then, you know, I'm on the computer there, and I'm like, all right, I can still make it if I leave by 7. All right, 7.30. Am I going to catch them? Let me text them. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And this, this, it's daunting to, like, drive to Pittsburgh sometimes and then drive home at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I guess there's yeah. no more shows in Charleroi for you. <laughs> there's definitely no more. <laughs> Yeah, even, you know, Club Octane opened up after a while, which, yeah. which that was a cool thing. Um, you know, that's... It got oversaturated. Like, it's funny, like, that place, a lot of people I talked to at the time were like, man, the place sucks, the place is so shitty, and then, like, a year after it was gone, everybody was like, man, I miss that place. Yeah. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Exactly. Like, I didn't do too many touring bands there, just because, you know, Bill had, like, 10,000 touring bands oh, there fuck, every, yeah. every month. But, you know, we'd do... I would do the shows I knew were going to do good. Like, a Once Nothing show would sell out. We yeah. Did, I did the first two shows with Devil Wears Prada there that sold out. I did Gwen Stacy there. And even Nothing Unexpected, we would do... Those guys were, like, meticulous. They knew, like, every four or five months we're going to hit Club Octane. And it would sell out. 220 kids. Again, yeah. to see a local band just because they had that following and they knew, you know, if we play this place every five, four or five months, uh -huh. the kids will come out. Just don't play there any, any more often. Yeah. And it worked. But yeah, it, it wasn't the best place in the world, but you know, <laughs> it, it was a place, and now there's a scene that's dead in Charleroi. Yeah, Charleroi. <laughs> oh, well. I live, like, and the worst part is I live, like, two blocks up the hill from Club Octane. <laughs> that's where my house is, so I could walk down to the shows when we did them there. Yeah. So, right now, you're not doing any shows? You're not. Uh, oh yeah, well, you're not doing like like what 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 are you doing besides just like working and like hanging out, or is that all you're doing? Are you just kind of enjoying your adult life, well, keeping it simple? Everyone knows I love the Pirates. I think if you know like one thing about me, it's that I was into the music scene, or I love the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. So, you know, I went to a lot of games last year. I went to a lot of games. I think I went to thirty games last year, like because I have a twenty game plan, and then. If I go alone, which happens a lot during the week, I'll just exchange it for another ticket and then go okay. go alone again <laughs> during some other <laughs> weekday game. But, uh, so there's that. I don't know. I don't do much else. I go home. I have two cats. They're my BFFs. Sick. Yeah. We were doing the Mystery Science Theater night for a while. You came to one at my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we were trying to do it every month with a group, and now it's like, once every four or five months. Okay. It's like me, Veronica, and Pete. <laughs> Pete's house. <Yeah. laughs> More or less. Pete from Kid Durango. Yeah. But um, I do, I volunteer for um, Make-A-Wish okay. Foundation. So, uh, you know, I meet with families for that. And that's why last year I set up the two. Um, I set up a benefit show in July, which didn't do so well, at Club Cafe. And then I set up another one in November, um, which did really well, actually, at, at the Smelling Moose. Okay. And then segue to i have another show coming up yeah <laughs> at the end of march well it's not really mine technically um 
Pete from Kid Durango set it up. Well, he didn't, I don't know. It's kind of weird. He said, hey, will you help me with this? I know you don't do shows. We can make it a benefit show. And I was like, yeah, we'll do that. And then um, my friend Mandy, who would help me at the other two um, benefits that I did for Make-A-Wish, who's like my BFF, you know, she had mentioned, hey, we should do one for the Animal Rescue League. And so, you know, I talked to her and we decided we'd do that. And I got back to Pete and Pete's like, oh, I know people at the Animal Rescue League. So that was the basis. And, um, you know, we were just discussing bands and he was like, oh man, we should get Gray Walker to play. Have you heard this band? And I was like, I haven't. And then I watched the video and I was like, yes. And then I guess you could you were unavailable. Yeah. But now Sykes is going to play. Sykes and the New Violence. Yes. So that's awesome. And Daughters is going to play. Okay. Um, not Daughters, Divorce. Daughters is a completely different band. Going back to my VFW days. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Brandon is in that band. Brandon Muser, who was in Old Fears with and you. He's also in the Sykes band. Yeah, he was in DNR years yes. ago, which is how I actually yes. I actually know him. Uh-huh. And then uh, Pete's like, have you heard of this band? And I was like, no. And I checked him out, and I was like, yes, this band needs to be on the show, too. Yeah, they're really good. They are really good. I mean, I haven't seen them live yet. But, they're really good. But the recordings are, are just amazing. Yeah, Matt was, killed it. Yeah, Matt Very, good dude. Yeah, if you're if you're in a band, go to a studio. Yeah, very tight recordings. He needs help drywalling this weekend. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I saw on my. I always want to go help, like yeah, you know. But again, on the weekends, I'm just like dead, so I'm not much help to anyone. Um, and the River Daughters, I didn't. And again, a band I didn't even know existed. Um, and Todd from Once Nothing is in the band. Oh, really? And Monty, from, who was the drummer from Wings of Azrael, is in the band. No shit. And uh, uh, Marty, who is Janae from Mr. Small's fiance. So okay. I was like, dude, I know like three people in this band. Weird, yeah. I had no idea what was up with that band. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's so it's people that I know. So I was like, we should try to do this. Yeah. And R- Rishi from the Space Pimps, we tried to get him to play um, solo acoustic, but I don't know, he couldn't play, so... We thought that would be kind of... I don't know. We, we just had every genre like, yeah. thrown into this thing. But yeah, it's for a good cause. It's March 27th, which is a Friday. And then after the show, we're going to do Grunge Night. I don't know if you saw that. I did see a post, like something like a DJ flannel or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know... Is it just going to be like you and Pete? Well, here, here's the deal. I don't know if you've seen, like, you know, there's like they do Emo Night. Yeah. At, uh, I want to say... The Lava Lounge. At the Lava Lounge. Yeah. Then, the, then they started doing Pop Punk Night at the smiling moose and i think it's just dudes who like make a playlist on their ipod and, that, and it's, it's a dj set as well sure you know but it's people hanging out listening to that music uh-huh. so i guess you know the bar want to stay open a little longer and you know to make some money yeah and, and that sort of thing so i was just i was completely joking i was like dude we should do like crunch night or something and the more we talked about it we thought yeah let's totally do this this will be cool yeah dude so I I'm I made up this list of like 106 songs, which is probably like six hours of music. So we're, <laughs> we're gonna have to more work. than enough because I have like this vast CD collection, and I was just like going every band like okay, a song from them, a song from them. Uh huh. And uh, so yeah, we're gonna have to whittle it down a little bit. Maybe do some before the show. No, you bands. just you have to come in with more than you need. You just feel <laughs> it out. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. You gotta fun. feel what the crowd wants. Pete has some DJ experiences. He's done some like like yeah Christmas parties, Halloween parties, and, <laughs> and things of that nature. So it sh- it should be fun. And, and you know it's it's such a mixture of bands that are playing. So 
So we just came up with ridiculous names. I think Mandy's going to be DJ George Washington. Okay. And uh, I think Pete's going to be DJ Tony Grungy. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw the names. And I'm going to be Flannel Eleven News. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which two of those Pete came up with? I came up with the Washington, but yeah. those were good. We were just trying to think of like ridiculous names. It's all in fun. We just want to raise money for the Animal Rescue League. Yeah. Which is, you know, an awesome place that rescues animals and, you know, you get shots there, you can adopt there, they give free cats away sometimes when they're overstocked. So, uh, you know, animals are important. Yeah. Just Anything like, just like little kids with a make-a-wish, they're important, you know. Yeah. If I'm gonna, you know, my life's kind of pointless. I'm just playing off the string at this point, <laughs> more or less. So it's not pointless. If, if I can make the world better think for people. The, you, I think you, you've done a lot for other people, helping other people, whether it's like a band or a kid or a kitten. You're yeah. helping other living things. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. To and that's important because there's not enough motherfuckers that do that. Well, I'm, I'm trying to do my part. You're a genuine person and you're not very selfish I at all, it seems. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's a rare thing. Uh, People are very selfish. I don't know. I don't want to say anything like yeah, no, nice no. about myself. But <laughs> I, I try, you know, like that's all I can really say. I, I try. <laughs> I'm trying. I want to, you know, I want to do some good things. <laughs> good. <laughs> Brillo Box is an awesome place. I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, Brillo Box, um, Bad Boxes, when they did their, their I don't know if it was a CD release. Yeah. Was there. I, no, no, no. Bad Boxes, Harrison, Morgo. I, I'm familiar with, I don't know any, I don't know those people personally. I've heard the names thrown around enough. I've listened <laughs> to the music. It, was, it seems like they're doing a cool thing. They seem like talented people. I'm happy for them. Harrison's amazing. He yeah. was in, he was in transition. He was the okay, bass player yeah. after Dustin left, and then he was in the Morning Light. Then he did his own thing, which like was like Beatles esque. Yeah. But he played every instrument. Like I don't know, the dude could like burp for eight minutes and release it on CD. I'd probably buy it just yeah. because like he's like a musical genius in my eyes. Sure. House. Um. What else? I saw. Um. You know, be your own pet. No. Be your own pet. Uh, their singer Jamina Pearl I saw at the Brillo Box like a couple years ago. Dave Watt was supposed to come and he didn't show up. I don't know, <laughs> she was so good. Like she was amazing. So the Brillo Box, yeah, it's, it's a cool place. Yeah, it's an awesome. I like playing there a lot. I'm glad the show's there. That'll be a good, a good, good test run for this new Sykes band the new thing. Violence. Even though I'm not gonna have like the proper lineup because Joey's not playing with me that show. He's not. Mm -mm. That's terrible. The show's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I have another drummer, but it won't be Joey because Joey is on a uh, a two month show hiatus after his baby uh, well, has just entered the world. That's understandable. Yes, very respectable. Yeah, you would definitely want to do that. That's respectable. Yeah. That's another thing. Bands, you know, dudes are getting married, having kids. Yeah just it was a different world it was a changing um <laughs> it was a changing atmosphere when i got out do you think you're ever gonna like get no. back into it no no <laughs> i mean i like doing these benefit shows because it, like it's, it's a taste of something but you don't have to put like the player production's name on it and feel like right. you're doing something yeah it's, i mean and i don't want to like you know there's no ticket sales for these things it's just like hey let's if, if every band can bring 10 people and, you know, some people hear about it and, like, 70 people show up. That's awesome. Perfect, yeah. And you raise a lot of money for a good cause. And it's stress-free. You know, just 
come out, play, have a good time. I'm trying to do shows with people that I'm friends with that I yeah. know that I knew from back in the day. Like the last one, you know, like um, Amanda played at the Gregory. She did uh-huh. like the Silver Lining thing with um, John Martin. Yeah. So that was cool. And, and Phil played someone in the something. So these from Under the Covers I've known forever. The Switch played the first one, who I've known since like 2004 probably. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, let's get some friends together. We'll try to raise some money for a good cause. Sick, dude. You know, no pressure. I don't I don't want to do shows again, but if I can raise money for something worthwhile, that's... Yeah. Well, it's, if it's, you... it's a talent that I guess I, I... I don't know if I want to call it a talent, but it's something I know how to do. Yeah, it's a... It's a skill set that you have, and it's something that you have experience in. So you can, like, utilize it, yes. but in a way that's more productive and beneficial to a cause greater than the scene. Yeah, and the bands, you know, they make fans, they get heard, people get to yeah. see them. People come out and have a good time, so, you know, it's everybody benefits from it, really. It's, it's, the, only, it's the only thing I can say, Every, everyone benefits from it. Totally. And I never did player to make money, so this is just completely, you know, we're giving all the money away, uh-huh. so this just goes to the show, you know, it's it's where we were founded at, helping local bands and... Helping local animals. Yeah, <laughs> helping local animals, <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, thanks for coming over. Hey, I think, man. I think we did a good thing. We did. I'm, I'm very happy with this. This was great. Yeah, this was pretty sweet. I've done some news articles before in newspapers that were... Like, I got misquoted and stuff. Like, Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'm going to change all of this. All right. <laughs> I'm going to completely, like, rearrange all of your words. <laughs> Play them all backwards and stuff. Yeah, it'd be like, so what... <laughs> like, so what do you think about something really awful? And then this, like, cue in, like, oh, I love it. <laughs> it's the best. What's the best horse band you've ever heard? Well, we had girl fight playing show. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I miss Girl Fight so much. Yeah. Good dudes. Richie. Yeah. Good dude. Dave Watt. Yeah. I miss... I'm thinking, you know, I should probably do, like, a player... I joked about this earlier, but, like, a, like a player pirate game again this year. Just, like, get some people together. 50 people just go hang out at a pirate game talk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people that, that are missed. We can... You know, you'll be invited... Joey, yeah. Joey, obviously. I mean, I never played any shows with you. <laughs> well, we and I'm not we really, I'm not really a baseball guy, but <laughs> I would gladly come and hang out. It doesn't That's matter. People come, you pay your nine bucks for a ticket, yeah. and hang out, talk. If you drink beer, have a beer. If you like French fries, eat some French. You know, yeah, it's it's cool to hang out, to catch up. It's better than going to a catch bar. Up with yeah. your fries. <laughs> it's better than going to a bar like where you can't hear or anything. I, I hate bars. I don't like the South Side. I. I'm completely... I'm an introvert, and I don't, sure. don't enjoy social situations at all. It's <laughs> weird, but... Well, I'm glad that you came to the South Side <laughs> to record this podcast in a very social situation. It's, well, it's, it's kind of social. Yeah. It's not, if there's a microphone, I, you know, it's, it's like, I gotta do what I gotta do. It's a microphone. <laughs> I still announced basketball games in high school. It's completely weird. <laughs> Basket number 44, you know. It's, uh, totally wasn't that guy. Me. Totally wasn't me, but... You should have did that at the player shows, like in between bands. <laughs> Coming up to the stage! No, I even couldn't announce the, the winners of the battle sometimes. I'd go to go on stage and like, nope, can't do it. Can someone else read the people who want it? <laughs> Fuck. Yes. Alright. Alright. That's it. Let's yeah. let's cut it. Let's cut it. Peace, and peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>
And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for sticking around. Donald is a really fucking genuine dude. It's the type of person that any local music scene needs to really thrive. Just someone that gives a shit. And it shouldn't be a unique thing to find somebody like this <laughs> in a in a music community, you know? You feel like everyone should give a shit, but in my experience, there's a lot of people who don't give a shit, particularly on the promoter end of things. It's really hard to find someone who is a music promoter, who isn't making music, doesn't have, like, an agenda to just do something to further himself or his own creative endeavors, but rather just someone who whose only interest is really just helping their friends out and setting up some shows and just trying to have some fun and make something cool happen for the people around them. It's, you really don't see it that often. Donald's a rare dude. It's a bummer that he's not doing as many shows as he used to or any shows at all, really. Hey, I will be playing a show with him on March 27th, like we just talked about again, so... Hey, it all comes around eventually. He's an awesome dude, and yeah. Anyways, be sure to tune in again next week for another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. I am Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.